It's always a privilege for me to be here with you guys. It's in, uh, we've been with Eth Ethnos 360. I don't know if I'll ever get used to saying Ethnos 360 instead of New Tribes Mission. But anyway, we've been with them 37 years and this church has been behind us 37 years. And so uh, we can only say thank you, Lord, uh, for the blessings that you have been over all those years to our lives. We love coming here. I mean, for me especially, uh, my wife is from Georgia, but for me especially, this is coming home. Um, I did, as Ron said, I live, you go out there by the railroad tracks down there and look up where the old shop right was. We lived behind that old shop right until I left high school and uh, my mom still lived there and my sister lived there for a few more years after that, so. What's that? Oh, Produce Junction, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I used to push carts for the shop right when the shop right was there. I used to push the carps up and down. Uh, it was a shop right too for a while. Um, I know I got lost and my mom decided she may have to call the police because they had no idea where I was and I was next door at the shop right getting tips for pushing people's carts around. Um, but she, she was so thrilled she found me, she didn't discipline me that day. So what can I say? God's been very gracious to us. Um, most of you do know my testimony, but um, I, uh, when my dad died as a sophomore in high school, I became an agnostic and then drifted into atheism at the University of Miami. And um, in my junior year at the university, someone introduced me to the Lord Jesus Christ who died for me on Calvary's cross. And wow, I'd never heard the simplicity of the gospel message that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And what a, what a tremendous privilege that has been. And to walk with him all these years has been a, a, just a tremendous delight. And um, especially walking beside my wife, Jenny. You guys know her. She was sorry she couldn't come with us, with me last October when I was here uh, in October. So I'm glad she could be here this time with us. Um, we want to talk about, and if you would, open your Bibles to Hebrews 13. Uh, but you guys know I am with Ethnos 360. We work among the unreached people groups of the world. Of course, we're with this. I always debate how much I should say about the mission because you guys also support the Simpsons and you also support the Shortmeyers and the Bennetts and we're all with uh, Ethnos 360 so I know you guys hear it a lot but when I see the maps up here it's amazing um, where we are on these maps. Um, I mean we've got people up there in the northern part of South America and big Brazil in the first map we have people over here when we talk about Asia, we've got people hidden around. We're opening up around India, Nepal. We're also up in the mountains um, uh, in the Caucasus region and some of the where the, the stand countries are. We've had people in and out of those. We're all the way up in Siberia uh, as well. And, and then even when you get to uh, Africa, we're in the west side of Africa. We're on the east side of Africa. Uh, working around. We have training facilities in Australia, which is down there. Uh, and then in Europe, we have training facilities uh, in the United Kingdom. We draw missionaries from the Faroe Islands, which are way up here, they're not even on the map. Uh, we, we draw missionaries from Norway and Sweden. Uh, and then uh, we 
also have missionaries coming from Italy. Uh, we, we have as many foreign missionaries now with us as we have U.S. missionaries. And so um, it's just been an amazing thing to see. Uh, seeds that we've sown over the years have just blossomed in all these uh, many other countries, and we've been raising up missionaries. And then when you get over here uh, to the even, let's see, I lost Asia. Oh, yeah, Siberia. Siberia is not on the map either. But we have folks up in Siberia. And then even here, we have people down here in Mexico. We have people uh, also uh, beginning now to work in some of the uh, northern regions of the US and some of the Inuit uh, people, as well as we have missionaries over there in Greenland. And it just gives you a little bit of a scope of the work that God has raised up uh, through a visionary that um, he just came home uh, with, he was just plastered with uh, malaria and was really told that there was no way he could ever go back to the field. And he was just had a heart for unreached people groups. And the Lord just broke his heart, but he began to share his vision of what he couldn't do with others. And um, that's been, um, we're past our 75th uh, anniversary now. We're into our 76th year as an organization, and so uh, God has done some amazing things over the years. And so we're privileged to be a part of that, and we've been a part of the training program uh, in the Bible Institutes for most of our time with Ethnos 360. I was on the leadership staff for about eight years and stepped away a year and a half ago. I figured at 70 they didn't need me running the mission anymore. Uh, it's a whole new generation that needs to take that leadership, and they have, and they're doing a marvelous job. But God still has us teaching and uh, impacting different lives. And I had one of my busiest teaching years ever coming up this fall and spring. And so just appreciate your continuing prayers for us. Uh, we never take your prayers for granted. I'm absolutely certain that there's no way I could impact or do the things that God allows me to do apart from your lives, your faithfulness to us over the years. And so we want to just say thank you for all of that. But in Hebrews 13, uh, let's pray again. Father, we just want to look to you to be encouraged because, Lord, this book is a book about hope. And, Father, in a very dismal, depressing, uh, discouraging world, in the pages of this book is amazing hope, both eternally, but even, Father, for day to day, no matter what our pressures are, no matter what problems we face, this book teaches us how to walk with an incredible peace and calm and tranquility, even when the world is disintegrating around us. And to that end, Father, encourage our hearts this morning for your namesake. Amen. Hebrews 13, that's the passage that was read earlier. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, the God of peace. Uh, there are so many attributes, so many aspects to the life of who God is and what God does for us. But one of the things, one of those statements that we find in the word of God over and over and over again is this offer of peace. May the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, 
make you mature or complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you focus on the world, you will be distressed. If you focus on yourself, you will be depressed. But if you focus on Jesus Christ, you will be at rest. Peace is always about a person, not a creed, not a ritual, not an act, not coming to a building, but a person. And that person is the God who came to this earth as a babe in a manger to die on the cross of Calvary, buried and risen again for you and for me. Defining peace is not always easy. And if you get into all the dictionaries and you try to define the simple word of peace, you find it's, it's got some really complicated statements for it. But the, what the noun, some people write it as freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. Um, some would, would simply call it the cessation of war or violence. And all of those do fit different usages of the word peace. But biblically, um, it's a word that really means inner tranquility. It means coming to a place of rest in your heart, uh, learning what it is to be able, you know, when all of the world is losing their minds and blaming you for it, still knowing how to walk at peace and rest. This is not an easy world in which we live. It never has been. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I've gotten recently in the habit of, of just um, getting audio books from the public library because I my commute in and out of my office in Florida. And um, by the way, we trade it. Our, our temperatures aren't anywhere near as hot as yours. So I must have brought the heat up here when I flew up here on last Wednesday. But I've been getting audiobooks and just driving back and forth. I can usually finish a lot of different audiobooks, but I got I, I, I took out Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities recently. And it was just basically the it just gives you this incredible reflection of the oppression that the French people lived under uh, under their monarchy, but then the incredible horrific oppression when they rebelled and wound up destroying everybody they hated and all of the bitterness and the anger and the frustration in their life. They took it out on the upper echelons of society. And of course, and then it compares it to England, which was basically a free city, and what a difference as you compared the two cities and what they were like. Uh, but even in the midst of that, Charles Dickens in his book, he writes this phrase over and over again, uh, in the book, the one thing that was the one stabilizing factor in the lives of the, the, the heroes uh, that come out in the midst of the book was the simple quote out of John chapter 11, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he live. And just that even in the midst of the most horrific incidences that the world will ever see, we can still find that calm and tranquility even when the world is being turned upside down, because we live with an eternal hope that we, as long as we do walk this earth, we can transfer 
to an incredible peace and tranquility in our lives. You look over in Ephesians chapter 1 in your Bibles. And it's in my Bible somewhere. There we go. In Ephesians chapter 1, we simply read in verse 2 where he simply says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is found in every greeting of Paul's epistles. He opens every single epistle uh, except the book of Hebrews, but he, he throws it in at the end because uh, we just quote it from the end of the book of Hebrews. And, and so you find every single epistle, Paul talks about peace. Now, I could say the same thing and do a whole different message on grace because he does the same thing with grace, begins and ends every epistle with grace, but, but the, today's subject is peace and learning to have peace in a world uh, that really does fall apart. The vo volatility of life, it makes peace an extremely elusive or difficult commodity to find. Uh, history shows over 8,000 broken treaties uh, that have been made by man. And with 8,000 broken treaties, wow. But Paul says in every epistle, grace and peace to you. And it's not just a greeting. It's because he goes on to say, from our Lord Jesus Christ from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he, he tells us that the source of peace is always a person. Peace is always about a person. And so to the depth that I begin to know that person, I will begin to know genuine peace in my heart and my life. Peace is the consistent offer of scripture. Therefore, it's not surprising that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6, you don't need to turn there, but it simply says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace referring to the son that was to be born. Isaiah 9, 6 is one of the great prophecies of the Old Testament of the coming Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But he would be both the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the son that was born on the earth, Jesus Christ. And then when Christ was born, and look at Luke chapter 2, You guys are starting off in the book of Luke in Sunday school. And uh, I, Luke is really one of my most, uh, well, every, I, I say that about every book of the Bible. I guess I should, you know. But I love the gospel of Luke. It just, Luke does have so many little stories in it that none of the other gospels have. And they're just very powerful. But Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, let's go up to verse 13. It's talking the shepherds on the hillside, and suddenly there was the angels' multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. 
And so whenever the offer of Christ came to the earth and Christ is there, there with it was that same concept of the offer of peace. The word peace is found 400 times in the Bible. The word rest is found over almost 300 times. The words fear not are found some 150 times along with the concept of be not anxious. And so it's, it's, it's just significant that we see the depth to which the scriptures have offered to us peace in the midst of a very troubled world. It's a fallen world. And I know that one of the greatest questions that people face every single day is we ask ourselves, why this and why that? And we talk about evil and tragedy and heartache and, and difficulty. And, and so why? And the first thing we want to do is we want to just throw it all in God's face and say, I don't see how you could be that way, God. Why do you allow it? And we want to throw it up there. But you know, we don't know the scriptures. And the scriptures tell us from the beginning, man walked away from God. God is the author of peace, but man walked away from God. Death, sin, disaster came into the world. Tragedy, we live in a fallen world. And though we want to throw our hands up at God many times because of the difficulties we face, and we want to blame God, and we want to walk away from God so that we can be our own little gods, number one, where do we walk to? And do you know there's not a better explanation out there for the existence of evil than what the Bible teaches us about the fall of man. Nowhere will you find anything that truly explains the evil of man. Oh man, the evolutionists have been trying to tell us we're getting better and we're evolving and, and doing much better in life and we're maturing and all these things and I, I, I have a feeling, I have a policeman back there I could easily ask very quickly. Yeah, how better are we today as we deal with society and the world? Men aren't changing. And in fact, if anything, the darkness gets greater and deeper at times uh, than we've ever known as a society. Uh, certainly not as deep and as disastrous as what they went through in the French Revolution uh, or what they went through when communism took over Russia or in the times of Nazi Germany but all of the tools for making a horrific society, it's all there, and it's at the fingertips of our flesh, and it's all ours if we walk away from God. But God offers peace in our hearts, order, as well as a very transformation of our very lives. But in the midst of it all, the Bible, who and, and the th interesting thing is, is that the Word of God, every single book of the Bible talks about a world in the midst of suffering. And so the Bible relates to a real life world. It doesn't look at some, you know, little fancy pie in the sky and so many people will say, oh, that's just a crutch that you people need. We don't need that crutch. I'm sorry, you do need answers for the midst of living in a fallen world. Because there are no other answers that really meet the need of the human heart. There's no other there's no other explanation that really explains the reality of the world in which we live. And so God says it almost a thousand times, the offer of peace and rest throughout the scriptures 
and always in the midst of difficult situations. The offer of peace, as I say, is not a minor or insignificant part of scripture. It goes to the heart of the conflict that we face every single day. It's the heart of the gospel, peace with God through Jesus Christ. Because you see, when man walked away from God, he became an enmity. He became the enemy of God. But even that, because God did love, and because God loved eternally, uh, a never-ending love, as we sang about earlier, God said, I don't want man to be enemies. And so I will come down, and I will deal with the sin that makes them my enemy. I will pay the price on the cross of Calvary. I will pay the complete penalty of all of their sin and then offer to them the ability to restore that fellowship and relationship with me through faith in what I did for them. That's what Calvary is all about. I mean, I grew up understanding the Easter story except for one thing, why Jesus really died. You know, I thought, well, was he dying to be a good example? Was he dying, you know, to teach us, you know, the importance of morality? Was he just some kind of a fancy martyr? No one ever taught me the reason Jesus died was because there was no other way my sin could ever be paid for. And so through the cross of Calvary, I found my sin paid for. But I never understood that till I was 20 years of age. Jesus died for me. I used to even quote, uh, as I was growing up, um, I used to quote the little phrase, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I never understood he took away my sin on Calvary's cross. It was my sin he paid for. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Because I come to the conclusion, the reality of what Jesus did for me. How would you characterize the age in which we live? As we reflect on on these descriptions, keep in mind that these things dominate a culture that has more materialism at its fingertips than any society ever known to man. Things once reserved only for royalty are now common household items. But our society is filled with fear. Loss of health, cheating spouses, deceitful friends, failing at work, failing at school, finances for the future, liberal or conservative politicians, uncontrolled immigration and racial tensions, drugs and alcohol, gang violence, identity theft, growing old, death itself, physical suffering, children's future, missing out on love and sex, the unknown, punishment for unresolved guilt, divorce, being abandoned, rejection, not measuring up to others' expectations. We overflow with fears. We're filled with inner turmoil over interpersonal conflicts, conflict at work, conflict in the home, conflict in the church, prejudices, competition, performance standards, unresolved anger, bitterness over the past, misunderstanding among friends, academic and job pressures, financial pressures, care or impending loss of loved ones. We're filled with inner turmoil over interpersonal conflicts. Filled with discouragement, depression, hopelessness, loneliness, failures and disappointments abound. 
Life appears to have no meaning. We're overwhelmed by addictions, drowning in escapism and struggling with emptiness and vanity. And on top of that, we're filled with discontent. We never have enough. We always want more or don't get enough or feel used, abused, misunderstood, or restless, insecure, defensive. Despite the abundance of all the things never heard of in previous generations, we feel cheated and deprived. With all that we possess, our lives are shallow, vain, selfish, and dissatisfied. Do we need Jesus? Absolutely. And it's not your neighbor that needs Jesus, it's you. It's me. I don't get up a single day anymore without saying, Lord, I am desperate for you today. I need you in my life because I don't know what to do. I don't know where life will take me today. And God, I know that my own heart is so selfish and self-focused and sometimes self-righteous and critical and judgmental. God, I need you in my heart to give me and show me how you want me to walk in this fallen world that I can, number one, find rest in the midst of it all, but also be a light in the darkness of this world. Peace is freely offered to us from God through his son, Jesus Christ. It sounds so simplistic, but truth is simple and uncomplicated. Life may appear complex and your problems bizarre, but ultimately everything comes down to one thing, your relationship or lack of relationship with God himself. The word of God speaks continually of peace, even in the most difficult of circumstances. But I have to remember that peace is about a person. God is a living entity that we walk with. Jesus is the living Savior. And as we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, we have the living Spirit within our hearts by which we can learn and allow the Spirit of God to teach us peace in the midst of everything that we face. Flip over to Isaiah 26. This was the other passage that we read earlier in the scripture reading. But I think it's, it is one of my favorite passages of all time. And I, it's a passage I go to when all of a sudden I find myself falling apart and wondering about this and wondering about that. I tell you, I, I remind myself of the simple passage in Isaiah 26, in which case he says here in verse uh, 3, he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for in Yah, another name for God, the Lord is everlasting strength. Uh, more literally, the rock of ages in verse 4. But he says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is focused on you. Peace is about a person. It's about a person. Trust in the Lord. In John uh, 14, he says, and we don't need to turn there for time's sake, but he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also 
in me. And then he says it twice in the upper room discourse uh, in verse 27 of chapter 14. He goes on and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then in chapter 16, in the upper room discourse as well, verse 33, Jesus talking to his apostles, where they're about to be thrown into a maelstrom of rejection and hatred um, as they become the first uh, Christians in the church, uh, changing the whole way God was dealing with the world. Up until the time Christ came to the earth, Israel was his people through which he demonstrated the reality who God was. And you came to God through the nation of Israel. But now he's raised up the church. And it isn't going to be an easy walk for them at all. In fact, they're going to find tremendous turmoil. Every one of these men are martyred, except one. And the one that wasn't martyred was thrown into boiling oil, but he lived. But he says in John 16, 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Peace. In me you have peace. It's about a person. It's about a person. I need to know that person and walk with him. Another great passage that uh, you find in scripture, what do we do when, when we find ourselves trembling and we find ourselves fearful and overwhelmed by the things that we're wrestling with? He tells us in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Let's turn to that. We'll make that our last verse that we actually look at. But look over in Philippians chapter 4. I memorized this passage many, many years ago. And I can tell you again how many times I've used this verse in my life as a promise. But in Philippians, the fourth chapter, we read in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And that brings me to one other major thought that I really want to communicate. And that is the simple issue that prayer is not a ritual. Prayer is a relationship. It's a relationship with the living God. And one of the things that you can really uh, grasp and begin to help you understand, where am I in my maturity level, in my understanding and my walk with God, uh, it will, you can look at the depth to which you know how to talk with God. And see God as the person that he is. The individual who loved you to Calvary. And he loves you eternally. And his love, just as his peace that we receive passes all understanding, that love that he displayed on Calvary also passes all human understanding. And the more I understand how much I'm loved by God, the freer I know that God doesn't mind me coming to him. One of the many reasons we don't pray is we feel like we're, oh God, we're just a disaster. Yeah, of course we're a disaster. That's why Jesus went to Calvary. We're a disaster. 
But Calvary opened the door for me, whatever disaster I am on two feet, and um, I freely come to God because I know he loved me, he died for me, he accepts me. And with all of my faults and all of my blemishes, all of the things that I mess up in life, he's still there saying, I love you. And the door is wide open through Jesus Christ, who's our high priest. In fact, uh, in Hebrews 4, he says, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Why can I have peace in the midst of tragedy and difficulty and all of the things falling apart around me? Because Jesus says, come to me and come boldly to find grace in the time of need. And God will give you the grace that you need to face whatever it is that you're struggling with. That's what his peace is all about. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I access it through prayer. Prayer is also a reflection of faith. It's the reflection of I'm willing to trust God with my needs and my problems. And when I have these problems, whatever they may be, and some of you, you know, your problems are great. Uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of the things that I wrestle with don't even mount to a hill of beans compared to some of the things that your lives have gone through. But God is still there for you, as just as he was for me. He was there for Mary Magdalene. He was there for the woman, the, the prostitute that came in and fell at his feet in the house of Simon. He was there for the tax collector. I always forget his name now. <laughs> uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, and he's, it's amazing. Jesus isn't looking for us to have everything together, to get our act right. You know, I mean, we live in a world where the only people that are really, really accepted are the people who win the gold medal. I mean, even if you win the silver medal, you're a has-been. If you come in second in the, you know, in the, in the Super Bowl, if you lose the Super Bowl, you're a nobody. The only people that are anybody in this world are the people that really have it all together. And yet I just also, one of the other audio books I just listened to is the story of Vinnie Baker. He blew $100 million as an NBA all-star and wound up in total poverty when it was all over. And he was the somebody that the world was always looking for. And he found out the world doesn't offer you a thing. And as high up as we go in the echelons of the world, it's still just a mess. Only Jesus can straighten out our messes. What a joy to know the living Christ in all that he is. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he died for us. We have peace positionally, eternally, as we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died for us. But that gives me the liberty to be totally transparent with God. That's all God is looking for is transparent honesty. God, my life is a mess. I need you. <laughs> and you know what? God says, okay, let's walk together. And I'll straighten out whatever that mess is. But you trust me. You walk with me. You talk with me. I'll take you one step at a time through the mess in the world around us. Father God, what a joy it is to know the Prince of Peace, the one who truly 
on Calvary's cross, paid it all. And Lord, we know that we're so far from understanding all that you offer to us. But give us the wisdom, the understanding to at least be in the word of God and begin to allow your spirit to teach us, Father, all that you offer to us and begin to help us to understand how to walk with you, how to trust you, how to call upon you and to find that peace that passes all understanding as we learn to cast all our cares upon you. But I do pray above any and all other things this morning, Father, that there's one here this morning that has never understood that you died for them, that their sin is paid in full, and that you invite them to be a part of the family of God, that this morning would be the day that would open their heart to understand that Jesus, the name of God, I believe on the name of the Son of God, I literally become a child of God. I'm trusting, Father, there is no other hope in my life apart from the reality that you are my hope, you died for me, and my sin being paid, I'm yours for all eternity. And to that end, Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here together, asking you, Lord, just throughout this week even, as we wrestle with things that we work through, that you would bring our hearts back to the need to be transparent before you, honest about where we are, but also aware, Father, of how easy it is for us to call upon you in simplicity and to see you bring to us that peace that passes all understanding, that enables us to walk through the difficulties of life. For Christ's sake, amen.